Hello, and welcome to the Post Traumatic Growth Podcast, where we talk about the positive psychological outcomes of going through a traumatic experience. And today we're joined by Justin Shrake, who has dedicated his life um, to helping teens and to raising awareness to to let them know about the the impact of their decisions when they're behind the wheel of a vehicle. Yep, absolutely. Great to be here, Daniel. It's great to have you here, brother. So, Justin, you're a speaker, you're an advocate, you're a philanthropist, you're somebody that continues to go out out of the way to help people. And... And I've known you for a while now, and you're yeah. passionate about this. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit more about what got you into this um, and what drives you. Yeah. Um, so when I was 16, I caused a fatal car accident. Um, just there was no drugs, no alcohol involved, just really poor decision making. Um, I was with my best friend and his two younger brothers. We're having a good time. I you know, decided to speed down backcountry roads. Um, and uh, we were actually coming up to an intersection where I had a stop sign and the other, the other road did not have a stop sign. And um, the cornfields were up really high, and we thought we could see if anyone was coming, and we didn't see anyone. Um, but you know, unfortunately, there there was another vehicle coming, you know, going on that road. And between 80 and, and 90 miles an hour, I uh, t-boned another vehicle, which caused the death of the driver. Uh, her name was Jane Watts. Uh, she was the mayor of uh, the little village that I lived outside of. Uh, very, very uh, much a cornerstone of the community that I grew up in. Um, and she also had her 18 month old granddaughter Briar with her. Um, you know, an 18 month old was ejected from the car into the cornfield and, uh, and Briar actually almost, um, really almost died based on all medical standards and all medical opinions. Briar shouldn't be alive today. She shouldn't have made it through. Um, so that was the, you know, the people in the other vehicle and my vehicle, my best friend was ejected from, uh, from my car and uh, spent about two months or so in a coma, medically induced coma. Um, he had a, a his, the right side of his body was paralyzed. He had a puddle of fluid sitting on the left side of his brain, which caused him to be paralyzed for quite a while. Um, his two younger brothers that were with me were okay, and I was okay. Walk, I mean, I walked away from, you know, this, you know, crazy accident, um, you know, unscathed physically. Um, so... That's kind of the, the real short end of, of kind of what happened that day. Um, but, you know, through that, um, I've become a speaker. I, you know, as part of my consequences through the court, I uh, actually have, I run a program called Saving Teens Lives Now, where all juveniles in the county of Marion uh, here in Ohio, if they get any traffic violation, they have to come listen to me. So it's kind of like a teen diversion. So I started that um, as a requirement. And then after my requirement was done, I said, I want to keep doing it. And so from there, I recognized that, uh, I could make a difference. You know, there's some, I would get messages from kids on Facebook and, you know, they fill out a survey at the end and I would read some really great things. You know, they had to say like, Oh my gosh, I, you know, I'm going to think about my decisions more. Your story was so inspiring. And, and so that kind of fed my, um, maybe my hunger. You can even maybe say my ego of like, I need to do this on a larger scale. Right. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the, the buildup. I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of what that means on a lot, you know, to do that on a larger scale, but it's just, I feel like an obligation to educate, you know, and empower, especially teens on how their decision-making affects their, the entire, the rest of their entire lives, but also how their decision-making affects people around them. Yeah, that's powerful. That's yeah. awesome. And and that's why I'm excited to have you on the show because you're like you are the definition of post traumatic <laughs> yeah. growth. Like like you like you you've you've been through the ringer and you use your experiences to help others. Um, let me ask you this. When is the first time that you heard of post traumatic growth? Like when is the first time that you realized that post traumatic growth was actually a thing? Yeah, so with as far as post traumatic growth as the actual concept, 
Um, you know, I ran into you at Walmart in uh, right around Christmas, so here, you know, about a month ago, not even quite a month ago, I guess. Um, but really, I, I think I've always understood it. Um, so, you know, when I ran into you, I, I kind of follow on Facebook. I've, I've seen it, and I, when I read about it, and when I read the description of post-traumatic growth, I thought, oh, that's my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of what I've been doing since the accident. But now I have a word for it. So, hearing about it, you know in the form of post-traumatic growth. I mean, I heard about it a month ago, but I've lived it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, when I heard it, I thought, oh, I understand exactly what that is. And then I uh, read a little bit more on it and kind of follow you guys. And I realized, oh, it's a little bit deeper. So yeah, a month ago. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I hear that a lot. And it's kind of the same for me. Everybody understands the concept of you go through a traumatic experience. Uh, you know, there, there's positive outcomes that come like, like you, you're, you're through the ringer. You're stronger after you go through a traumatic experience. But especially once I start explaining that it's actually it's a real thing, and yeah. there's science behind it, and there's psychology behind it, it blows a lot of people people's mind. Yeah. they're like, I've I've known it for the past five years, but now it's you've really concreted it into my into my brain. So um, so and the, and you know this post traumatic growth isn't as much as you know either you have it or you don't have it. There's actually five domains that are that are that are measured, and some people that go through tra- a traumatic experience are going to have growth in one of those areas. Some are going to have it in three. Some are going to have it in five. Um, so let's talk a little bit about those yeah, domains absolutely. and, um, and if I bring up one of the domains and you feel like you haven't had any growth in that area, that's fine. Right? Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's normal. So we'll just skip that one. So, um, so let's jump into it. Yep. And the first domain is, um, is relating to others. Yeah. And a lot of people after they go through a traumatic experience, they feel that their relationships have, have really strengthened yeah. and especially their more intimate ones, like with their husband, with their wife, with their kids, whatever the case may be. Um, or they feel that they have more compassion. For other individuals out in the world and for some people it's actually they're able to identify people that are maybe toxic in their lives yeah. that aren't the best to, to kind of be around and they're able to, to find the, the, the strength to um, create the distance that's needed for yeah. them um, do you feel that after your experience do you feel that you had any um, any growth in the domain of re- relating to others yeah absolutely um, the first one that I would say is probably the most n- noticeable in my life that happened the quickest right because mm-hmm. You know, with anything, you know, there's there's time. Sometimes it takes time, and you look back and you realize, hey, that experience helped me with this relationship. Mm-hmm. But the first one was with my parents. Um, mm-hmm. I have very supportive parents. Uh, they, you know, even in all through high school before the accident, my parents never missed a football game, a basketball game. I mean, they were you know, they're really, you know, thank you, mom and dad, right? Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you, mom and dad. Um, they were there, f- you know, for me for everything. Um, but I was kind of a jerk in high school, mm-hmm. you know, to other people, but really to my parents. You know, I, I don't know if I felt entitled, entitled. I had some anger issues. I never liked the word no. And so, you know, though they were super supportive, I don't think I really ever gave them the respect that they deserved um, until really the accident. My, my mother and I got very close. Um, my mom, and I won't go too much into it, but my mom, when she was younger, had a, an experience similar to mine where, you know, she was at no fault of her own. Um, but someone did pass away in an accident and, um, I, I recognized that she was one of the few people that could kind of relate to, to me and what I was going through. Yes, mine was much different mm-hmm. and for much different reasons, but, um, we got real close. Um, and then I moved away to college and, and, you know, we became, you know, I would say it, through college, my mom was one of my best friends and my dad has always just been kind of the rock of our family. And so I, I gained an appreciation for them like none other like you know they're just they're super great parents i just i couldn't say i can't say enough about them 
Um, and then with, so my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, right? So she went through this entire process with me. Um, we've been together for mm, 10 years almost now. We've been married for five. Um, but she went through that with me. And, you know, I always tell her, like, if something ever happened to you, I couldn't even be with someone else because I would have to explain, mm -hmm. you know, the accent. And no one's going to understand it on the level that she does. So I have such an appreciation for her especially now after eight years since the accident happened, almost nine years since the accident happened, she was there every single step of the way. So um, that, you know, becoming closer to my wife, you know, my now wife and my family. And then um, what it also did was, it, you know, as far as toxic people, um, I was told the night of the accident that, listen, you're going to lose friends. Like I had a, a hospital chaplain came in and talked to me when I found out that the woman driving the other vehicle had passed away. Um, he said, listen, you're going to lose friends. So the ones that stick with you appreciate them. Yeah. And, uh, I think I thought at the time I had great friends. I had all yeah. these friends, right? I was, I was somewhat popular. I, you know, was an athlete. Um, and so I thought everyone loved me. It's going to be okay. Well, not the case, right? Yeah. Like 90% of them it, within the first week were like, yeah, they're done with me. Um, so what it did was it, it made me realize, and, and I don't know if it's, I think it's a positive thing. Some people say, oh, that's a negative outlook. But friendship, you know, can sometimes be fickle, right? Yeah. You know, I've I've gained friends since then. I've lost friends since then. You know, I went to college with, you know, guys. I had a group of guys I was best friends with, and we don't talk anymore, not because we don't like each other, but because we don't have as much in common now. Right. We're different places in our lives. So what it also did was it allowed me to, to be okay when a friendship would end, whether it was a bad ending or whether it was just we're going different directions in our lives because – I already lost a bunch of friends. And so I was, I'm not attached to people like I think I was, which allows me to not be attached to their opinions. And so that was a really good thing that helped it. You know, I still have very close relationships with people, but if someone decides, Hey, I don't think that you add value to my life. I don't think our friendship or relationship adds as much value. Great. That's yeah. fine. I understand. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, some people say, Oh, it's really negative. I think it's a great thing because yeah. we all learn and we all grow and sometimes we outgrow each other. And, uh, because I've, you know, people have outgrown me in the past. And I had to kind of go through that. Now I'm like, Hey, it's just normal. It's okay. So, um, kind of a different, you know, different thing. Um, different, I guess, way that relating to others has changed. Um, and then having kind of compassion to the mistakes of other people. Um, I still, you know, yeah, I think we all struggle with things. But when I, when someone, you know, does me dirty or someone does something that upsets me, or I think that they're doing something, you know, as an attack on me, I can say, you know, I've done some stupid stuff too. Right. And, uh, luckily I, you know, my parents and my, my wife and my family, they're super supportive, but they also hold me accountable. So if someone yeah. does something, they go, Hey, remember you've done some pretty crappy stuff too. Mm -hmm. And you, you've made some mistakes too. And it always kind of reminds me have grace. Yeah. So, I mean, I could go on and on and on about, you know, having grace and compassion for others. But I think those are the three, you know, really kind of the, the three big things is relationship with my family and the people who stuck by me, being okay when people no longer want to be friends or want to be around you, and then having compassion for other people, having empathy and understanding that well, we're not perfect. Yeah. I sure as heck am not. So. Neither am I. Yeah, yeah. The people watching this probably aren't, <laughs> yeah. aren't either. But yeah, that, that, that's powerful, and, and thanks for sharing that. Because yeah. like I said, so many people, that they go through and they experience that, that growth. Um, and there's probably some people out there watching right now, they're like, yes, yeah. yes, that yeah. makes sense to me, that yeah. makes sense to me, that makes sense to me. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, so the second domain is new possibilities. Yeah. 
And again, after you go through a traumatic experience, you may, um, uh, it may open you up to, to new possibilities or, or, or a different life perspective. Um, you may realize that you hate the job yeah. that you have, so, yeah. you, so you quit, you get a new job, or you realize that you always wanted to go skydiving, so you just kind of pull, it, pull the trigger on that, or you're gonna start um, uh, public speaking to help others, yeah. or you know, there's just new possibilities that have entered in, in your life because of that traumatic experience. In the domain of uh, new possibilities, do you feel you had any growth in that area? Yeah, uh, absolutely, a lot, right? Um, and I think it, when you go through a traumatic event, and I think maybe you can speak more to this, but it doesn't just stop with you know the time frame immediately around the traumatic event, right? It's a lifetime you know period yeah. of growth. So you know post traumatic growth doesn't just happen in the year or two years after something happens. It's it can be lifetime. So I do see this evolving every single day. So as far as like new possibilities, um, in the beginning, really in the first 18 months, I saw nothing, right? Because I was worried about, because there was a, you know, I had to go to court, there was a trial, there were pre-trials. So the only thing I was really worried about was getting through all of that. And, you know, and so after that though, um, I received what someone called a really light sentence, um, primarily because of the forgiveness um, that I received from the woman whose mother died. So she told the court system, listen, you're not going to put this kid away. He made a dumb decision. Yes, my mom died. Yes, my daughter, you know, is put was put in a terrible position. But um, the, she wanted to let them know, like, I have grace, so the court has to have grace. So I could have been put away for 15 to 20 years. That's what the court wanted to. So that's what I was worried about, 18 months. So then afterwards, um, I spent a little bit of time in jail, had um, probate, you know, I was on probation, lost my license. Um, had to do some community service, which was all speaking, right? I didn't mm -hmm. realize at the time, right, this was part of my consequence, speaking to these teens that all had a traffic violation. And so I had to come back and tell them my story. So once a month, I had to relive what, you know, what I'd gone through. Um, but now I'm the coordinator of that program. Mm -hmm. Now I actually get paid to do it. Now I have a little bit of say on how it gets ran. And um, actually, um, I've changed the... Um, the survey that the students do because I'm in connection with, with someone that's on a committee that's actually changing the um, requirements for the driver's ed curriculum. And so my course and the feedback that I get are very literally affecting how the teens from here until whenever they change the, you know, change the course again, go through driver's ed. So we're able to make a difference. And so um, it allowed me an opportunity to speak and to impact teens, which now eight years later, we're finishing up a book. We are speaking, you know, we speak publicly. Um, for example, uh, coming up in fe February 1st, um, the, and the woman's name's Amanda. Amanda and I are speaking at the Ohio Teen Safe Driving Summit in Columbus, which is a really big deal. And so it's opening up opportunities. It's opening up these possibilities of, I can turn the worst thing that I've ever done, the worst period of my life into a very substantial beneficial thing for others um and so yeah it's it's kind of created this path for my life where um and, and understand there still is a there still was a decision that i had to make to go down that path right yeah. it presented itself and i had to decide am i okay dredging this up day after day after day yeah. um and you know and i kind of look at it as if i've, I've given myself a life sentence yeah. right i have a i was given grace in the courthouse and so now I'm giving myself a life sentence to move forward and to educate and to empower teens and just other people to make better decisions, to pay attention to how their decisions really truly do affect their lives and others. So, um, you know, as far as possibilities, 
you know, the fact that I'm here. This yeah. is, you know, if not for that decision, if not for that opportunity, I wouldn't be here, you know, doing the podcast with you. I wouldn't be able to, you know, reach out to people who have done something terrible, who've made a bad decision and say, listen, it's okay to move forward, right? Maybe the decision's not okay because I still wouldn't say that, you know, it's okay that I caused this accident, but it's okay to move forward from there and to allow yourself to live, you know, a good life. It's okay to forgive yourself. So, um, again, I could go on and on and on about possibilities because possibilities are endless. If you're open, if you're, you know, willing to accept the possibilities and not feel like it's a bad thing, right? Because there are people that out there that don't forgive me that are going to watch this podcast and think that son of, you know, look what he's done. He shouldn't be getting any kind of press. He, you know, he should be rotting somewhere. And so knowing that that's out there, I have to be able to say, listen, I'm ignoring that because I see the good that I'm doing. And so if someone else, if, if, and this is kind of my um, shtick to everybody, if you've been through something, turn your tragedy into triumph, right? Turn your pain into a platform because someone out there needs to hear it, right? My hope is that every time that I speak, every time that someone reads my book, is that they will say, you know what, like, I needed that, and that it's going to make a difference in their life to help them live a better life, to help them live a life of, you know, of forgiving themselves, because that was one of the toughest things to do for me is to forgive myself. You know, I, I originally looked at it as I'm a killer, you know, I mean, that was the the vocabulary that I had available to me at the time. And so that's what I thought. Like, if I'm a killer, then where do killers go? Where do killers belong, right? So, um, yeah, endless possibilities. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if you've been through something, you know, traumatic or if you've caused something traumatic, um, look at it as an opportunity to, to grow and to, and to really um, help and serve other people. Yeah, well, yeah. so... Couple things there. Um, I, th- I think it's really, really powerful how you realized for the while you talked to yourself and you said, "I'm a killer, I'm a killer, yeah. I'm a killer." But eventually, you got to the point where you realized that you're a human being. I yeah. made a mistake. Yeah, and that's, that's what it is. And we'll talk about that a little bit here in a minute. Um, but yeah, there's like ten possibilities. There are ten new possibilities that you just spoke about there. Yeah. And there's probably a hundred other ones. Oh, you know. Yeah. And there's probably a hundred more that are going to come out of that in the future as yeah. well. Um, but I want to touch on one thing real quick. In the beginning, you said for 18 months, you didn't see any growth. Yeah. And I want to say that's 100% okay with post-traumatic growth. Yeah. Because a lot of people hear this, um, and then they're like, oh, my gosh, post-traumatic growth is a thing. Yeah. So they're looking for a definition of it. And they're looking for a checklist. Yep. You know, oh, my gosh, I didn't have any growth in, in the first 18 months. I don't have post-traumatic growth or yeah. whatever. But it is so fluid. Yeah. And there's also peaks and valleys. You know, post-traumatic growth is a variation of post-traumatic growth, post-traumatic stress disorder, post-traumatic stress all those things. So, you know, you might go through a traumatic experience, immediately get growth, or you might yeah. go through a traumatic experience, have post-traumatic, severe post-traumatic stress disorder for 18 months, yeah. and then have your growth, or any variation of that. So if there's anybody out there that's, that's, that's watching this, and they, they're like, oh my gosh, what parameters do I have to fit in to have post-traumatic growth? Yeah. It's, it, it is so fluid. Well, and, and also, I mean, for me, and I can look back, I mean, we're talking, at this point, it's been, so 2010, July of 2010 was the was the accident. Mm-hmm. We're coming up of 19, right? So so I would say that I didn't recognize it as growth until maybe three years ago. And so there was a six-year period roughly where growth was happening, but I didn't recognize it, right? Sometimes, right, perspective, right? Hindsight's 2020. You can look back on your life and say, oh, there was growth there. So all you know, also to that is even if you don't feel like there's growth, 
you feel like maybe you're in uh, kind of that limbo, maybe you're in post-traumatic stress, there is still growth happening or there still can be growth happening. You just don't feel it yet, right? Because you're, you know, maybe you're still caught up in it, right? And that's okay, right? They, they, we all handle post, you know, trauma in a different way. And so, you know, maybe it's not happening or maybe it's happening and you just don't feel it yet. You're just not, because a lot of people aren't looking for it. But now, hopefully with what you're doing, you know, with the Post Traumatic Growth Foundation, hopefully people start to recognize it and they can take a step back. Because I think detaching emotionally from all the negative things and even the positive thing, just detaching emotionally from an event and saying, okay, let me look at this. What's happening here? Mm-hmm. That's the toughest thing to do because we get so caught up in the emotional impact of everything that happens to us day to day that to take a step back away from that and detach all emotion and say what's happening in the meantime what's happening in the midst of all all of this um most times it doesn't happen until later on but Mm. you know because that's why i can look back and i can say oh at that time i felt like there was nothing good happening i didn't know that this was growth but holy smokes had i not gone through this and went through this period i wouldn't be where i'm at eight years later so yeah it's it's you know, it's something that if you pay attention to, a lot of times you can see it. But when there's trauma, when there's a traumatic event, a lot of times that's not what we're paying attention to. We're paying yeah. attention to all the wreckage, right? So, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. Because that's what we're trained to do. Yeah. Like we're, you know, we're, yeah. we're trained to, you know, bad experience, traumatic experience. But a lot of people associate traumatic with bad, yeah. which most of the time it is. But, but you know, it's just, and they think, you know, there's this tunnel vision where nothing good can come out of it. Until we spread awareness. Yeah. And like I said earlier, yeah. you said that because that's what I'm doing, but it's not what I'm doing. It's what we're doing right here on this yeah, podcast. Absolutely. It's what the viewers are going to do when, when they say, AI hey, post-traumatic growth and post it on Facebook or, or their social media or when they tell their friends that they've had growth after going through traumatic experience. Yeah. Like, like th- this is uh, post-traumatic growth is so new. Not many people know about it. Yeah. So it's, it's all about, um, it, it's going to take a group effort to change this. Absolutely. We've been so many years of, uh, of thinking one way. Uh, yeah. We need to switch that. So uh, let's, Go into the third domain, and the third domain is personal strength. And yeah. as as you know, going through a traumatic experience, you had to find strength that you didn't even know that you had. And a lot of people afterwards, they'll um, they'll say that they have, feel like they have an increased sense of personal strength. Yeah. And this isn't physical strength, right? It's not yeah. like I can run two hundred miles, I can do yeah. five hundred push-ups or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but they they feel like they just have this strength that, that they're going to be okay. They have this strength that the world can throw whatever at them, yeah. and they're going to be okay. They're going to be able to survive that. Um, so in the third domain of, of, of personal strength, do you feel like you've had any growth in that area? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when, and I think, I think that even if people don't recognize it, when they do go through a traumatic event, I think that almost by default, they always gain some kind of personal strength. I think they always gain. And so for me, again, over eight years, I've seen that in several different areas of my life. Like now, because I was able to get through that, I have a confidence that is, you know, again, I have people that don't, that, that want to see me dead or in prison for the rest of my life. So a lot of people, that would really bother them. But be, going through the accident, I mean, there are times that I had to literally tell myself I'm worthy. I'm worth it. I'm, I should be alive. I'm going to make a difference. I am making a difference. Mm-hmm. You tell yourself those types of things enough and you start to believe them. Mm-hmm. And they become true. You know, if they're not true already, they become true. And so in order for me to even function early on, there are so many times I had to tell myself, listen, you made a mistake, you're gonna do great things, like regardless. So saying that enough times, even though I didn't believe it, now I do, right. you know? And so now I have a confidence that someone could, you know, someone could see this podcast, see this video and say, oh, you know, they could message me on Facebook, call me, see me in person, like you're a piece of crap, like you shouldn't be, and I could say, listen, 
that's your opinion. Mm. Poo-poo on it, right? Like, right. I don't care um, because I know who I am. I know that I'm going to take this and impact the world. I mean, that's the goal, to impact the entire world. So confidence was, was certainly a thing. Um, and then kind of going back to losing friends, like going through that at the time sucked, right? Like at the time I didn't realize this is a good thing, but it, it allowed me to be a little bit more, um, maybe not self-reliant, but almost indifferent to other negative things that happen, right? Because this is the most negative. I mean, I can still look at my life and a lot of bad things have happened since then, or, you know, what someone perceives is bad. I don't perceive things as good or bad. They just, right. Stimuli to, to, uh, to react to um, or respond to, but I can look and say like, if anything bad happens now, I've been through worse, right? You know, my car the other day, for example, I'll give an example. Um, I hit a pothole with my car the other day, bent the rim on my, you know, bent the rim, tire goes flat. I'm all kinds of ticked off because, you know, it's an inconvenience and it's funny because we're looking at cars and I'm like, man, now we got to look at two cars. Cause it, and so I remember also, freaking ticked off and there's this little thing inside me that when I get that mad and sometimes I mean right like it doesn't prevent me from getting upset about little things but there's this thing that when I get that upset there's always this trigger after I've you know cussed a couple times or after I son of a that goes dude you've been through worse yeah. it's just a stupid rim you can either hammer it out or buy another one for 50 bucks right and so that's what it's kind of allowed me to it's given me perspective that creates in me a, a quicker bounce back time, right? And I think that's one of the things that when something bad happens, um, it's not about what happens, it's not about you know it not affecting you, it's about how long does it take you to get from the low back to baseline. And so you know I'll get low on, low on the tire and then by the time I got home 15 minutes later, I'm like, it is what it is, I've been through worse. Mm. So that's just a really cool perspective. If, if I think that's one of the perspectives, if anyone can grasp that and implement it, you're bounced back, right? Because sometimes that you, if the accident hadn't happened, that may have put me down for two days, mm. griping about it, complaining about it, crying mm. about, oh, I'm gonna have to spend more money. But if you can bounce back quicker, and that's, I think, when bad things happen, focus on how quick you bounce back and work on that. Get to baseline. And there are a couple of people that I follow Right, Gary Vaynerchuk is one of them. David Meltzer. If David Meltzer's watching this, I freaking love you, dude. He always talks about getting back to baseline. Establish your kind of your just baseline. Establish that and work your hardest all day long to when things happen, get back to that. So that really has helped me in my entire life, right? Arguments with my wonderful wife who's always correct in every argument, right? Um, you know. I, when I worked in finance for a while and I found out I wasn't able to get the last license that I needed to really become an established financial planner, financial advisor. Um, that was a big thing for me because I devoted three years of my life to accomplishing that. Yeah. Um, and then they say, hey, because of your felonies from this accident, you can't do that. Yeah. And so that sucked. And, and my bounce back time, right? My bounce back time yeah. was a little bit slower than other things in my life. Sure. But now I look at it and I go, I've been through worse. Yeah. So. That's the. I think that's one of the personal strengths that I've gained is is being able to realize. And once I realize that, because sometimes it takes longer to click, but sometimes a lot of times it's like, hey, dude, yeah. this is nothing. If you can get through that, you can get through this. Yeah, so. absolutely. You know, the traumatic experiences is just the, the nature of them force you to where you had to find that strength. Yeah. And yeah. it's not like you have that strength just for that traumatic experience. You have that strength for the rest of your life. Yeah. And you also you have a toolbox now where yeah. you have certain ways to you know 
uh, the the rim you know before yeah. you didn't have that in your before in your toolbox all you knew was oh my gosh is in the world etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. now you're able to pull, look in your toolbox and realize that you know there's different ways to respond to this yeah. um, so that's awesome that's that's powerful yeah. uh, next main is um, is spiritual change yeah. and a lot of times going through trying to experience you have, you have to pull on stuff that you didn't even know was there and a lot of people feel that their life's purpose is much more clear to them now and um, so for some people, it's a relig religious capacity. Uh, for others, maybe it, it, it isn't. For others, maybe they just, they, they feel spiritually, they knew why they were put on this earth. Yeah. Right? So the domain of um, a spiritual change, do you feel like you've had any growth in that area? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You know, you say, I'm, I think I'm one of the, like I have, I've seen change in all of these areas so far. And spiritual change, I think to me, though these other changes are, are powerful and life-changing, I think this has been the most mm -hmm you know, powerful and life-changing for me. So um, if I can, I'll take a moment to kind of talk about, you know, my faith a little bit. Um, and under, I understand not everyone has the same faith that I do. Not everyone believes in the same God that I do. Some people don't believe in God at all, and that's okay. So, but to talk about kind of my spiritual change, um, my family grew up Christian, um, Baptist, you know, specifically went to a small Baptist church. Um, at the time of the accident, I was, so I was 16, and I'd gotten to the point where if I didn't want to go to church, when my parents did, I didn't have to, right? Because now I'm free because I'm a 16-year-old adult, right? And I can do whatever I want. And so I kind of faded away from going to church, though I still believed. I didn't have, you know, a relationship with God. And so after the accident, um, and I won't talk a whole lot about the, the moment, but there was an, an, a distinct moment where I said, I feel that God is with me. I feel, and I remember thinking, like, this is just this is baddie. Like, what what is this feeling that I have? And I just knew that it was, you know, it was a God moment. And so it actually forced me back into church. Um, you know, my parents were looking, were saying, hey, listen, whatever we got to do, you're going to be in counseling. Um, we're going back to church. You're going with us every single Sunday. Um, but when I got there, I, um, a good, now she's a good friend of mine, um, the youth pastor at our old church. Her name is Jill. She was very good friends with a woman who died in the accident. And so I met her at this uh, church event and I was told, hey, she's a good friend of, of Jane's. And she treated me so, so kindly and uh, really pulled me in and said, hey, listen, we really want you to, to come to youth group. Like, we want to be here for you. And that started my growth, um, you know, as a Christian. It started my relationship with Jesus. And, and so that, you know, that's an ongoing thing, right? That's an ongoing growth that has to happen anyway. And every day I feel like, man, I mess up that and I'm getting worse. And then I you know, have perspective and you say, oh, my relationship with Jesus is closer. Um, but what really, and I would say has impacted me the most right now in the past six months, maybe eight months, is it It did, I, I had a moment where I was unhappy with what I was, you know, where I was at in life as far as career-wise goes. Um, again, I was in finance and I started looking at people in a different way. I was looking at people as money, you know, and so that's not my natural state. I'm very relationally driven. I'm very, you know, I love having four hour long conversations with people. And so I started looking at people in a different light and I, I felt that I was out of balance, right? I didn't have that true self. I, I wasn't going true north. I was all over the place. And so when I finally sat down, I said, what, what do I need to be doing? And this is a conversation with me and God. I'm like, God, what do you want from me? And it became very clear through a couple of things that happened externally and you know what was going on inside me that listen, you've been speaking at this program. You're the program coordinator. You're doing good things. I want you to do it on a different level. 
I want you to stop limiting yourself and I want you to now, you know, move beyond what you think is possible to impact other people because that's why you're here. And so I start, you know, and I'm still developing this, right? I mean, this is something that I'm, I'm still working through and I think I probably will the rest of my life. Um, but I, I believe that given me kind of that purpose of, you know, God, I believe that God said, hey, this is, this is what you're here for. This is what I created you to do. Um, you are there to impact other people. And so one of the things um, every day I have, you know, I have a, a journal planner and one of the things is it says, what is your goal? And it leaves it very open. What's your daily goal? What's your weekly goal? And so I always write my lifetime goal is to impact others in such a way that when they leave my presence, they feel refreshed, valued, and added to. And that, you know, that sentence, that kind of is what I feel that God has called me to do here. And so, right, refreshed is I try to bring a great attitude because so many people have a negative Debbie Downer. I mean, I worked in retail and customers come through your line and you're like, hi, how are you today? And they're like, yeah. you know, I get, get these zombies apparently through. Um, but I try to just remain refreshing and, and allow people to see you know, whether they call it God in me, whether they call it a light, or whether they just say, hey, he's really positive. Um, valued, right? So not just positive, but I want to say, hey, this is like, I want to know about you. Like, I want them to feel great about themselves when they leave me because those are things that I'm naturally good at. I believe that God gave me the ability to make people feel good and then added to. And so that's kind of this, the career path, right? I'm adding to, you know, the, the teens who come through my course. I'm adding to the parents who are dealing with their teens and trying to get their teens to make better decisions, not drive crazy, not bully people, not eat Tide Pods, whatever it is, right? right. And so that kind of, you know, that goal, I look at kind of as my life purpose. And had I not gotten into a relationship, had I not been, you know, kind of forced by, you know, God or by the universe, whatever you say, back into the church, then that just wouldn't have happened. I would have been probably still walking around saying, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? So... Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's clarity in having a mission, clarity in having, you know, what you believe God put you here for, because no matter what I do, as long as I feel like I'm within the parameters of what God has me here for, it's not work, right? They always say, when well, you do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I don't think that's quite it. I think that's better than, you know, just, hey, go to work, do, you know, be a, be a producer, I think that um, if you really feel like you have a mission and a purpose, that, yeah, it's not work. It's just living. It's just going where you're called. So that's, yeah, again, I can talk on, we can talk on that for another seven hours. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, that's good. That was, that was really well explained. Um, and so our last domain is appreciation for life. Yeah. You know, um, not all traumatic experiences put you in, in a situation where you feel like your life is in danger. Yeah. Um, but, but many do. Yeah. But, a lot of times, people that have went through a traumatic experience, they feel that they have a newfound appreciation for life. Um, like I said, some some people, it's because it stems from they almost lost their life. But for others, it's just it might be something really simple. You know, like the the sunsets are, are so much more beautiful. The the flowers smell so much better. The ice cream yeah. tastes better. You know, the, the just the the little things. Um, in that domain, the domain of appreciation for life, do you feel like you had any growth in that area? Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, I mean, I crashed going almost 90 miles per hour um and after the crash my car continued forward for about 80 yards so we hit the broad side of a van and continued forward in a straight you know, trajectory so that gives you a, kind of an understanding of how much force and how much um you know inertia we had going forward 
Um, and at one point we actually were riding in the ditch and spun around a telephone pole. So we're going forward and spun counterclockwise around a telephone pole. The people who recreated the accident couldn't figure out for the life of them how that happened. And so had we hit that telephone pole, we were still probably going 50. There's a very good chance that I would have been severely injured at least, if not dead. And so appreciation for life, I mean, I very seriously could have died. Um, and by most standards, you know, you've, you talk about someone who's in a car accident going 85, 90 miles an hour, you would assume no one lived. Um, and so the fact that me, my best friend, his two younger brothers, and a little girl all made it, I mean, that's, that's incredible. And so, um, you know, I used to say things like, oh, I should have died that day. Um, and I've changed my vocabulary there because I think that, you know, what you say about yourself, even if it's not meaning that, um, you know, starts to, to affect your mentality. But based on what, you know, the, the speed, based on what happened with my car and all that, some people might say, you should have died that day. And so I've, I realized that I have a second chance. And I started exploring that a couple months ago, really, is, is the thought of second chances. Um, I've always known I had a second chance at life, you know, since the accident. Wow, like, this has given me a new direction, a new path. Um, but now I look at everything as a second chance, right? Um, actually, just um, this past Monday, I taught the class um, in the Marion County Courthouse. And afterwards, there's this kid that says, he says, I just want to share something. He goes, I drive a BMW. He goes really fast. I love speed. He goes, the other day, I, or he goes on um, prom night or whatever, he said that he got on the highway and went 120. He said, I flew by these motorcycles like they were nothing. And, and he said, you know, just hearing your story makes me think, wow, that could have ended really badly. And he goes, and I'm just thankful that you were given a second chance. And I agreed. And I said, absolutely. I, I have received a second chance, but so did you. And it, 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 it kind of confused. He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, the second chance is that you didn't go off the road. You didn't get in an accident, though nothing, right? Not there. There wasn't a benchmark of like, oh, this happened, and I've been given a second chance. It's oh, this didn't happen, and you've been given a second chance. And so, a perspective, appreciation for life is that every day we're given second chances, right? We're giving, we're given a third. You know, we're given all these chances. At some point, though, we won't. At some point, we'll be gone. And so, you never know how many more chances you're gonna get. And so you got to use every single one of them to the fullest, right? Um, I mean, it could even be today. For example, on the way here, my wife drove. Um, I was kind of preparing for this mentally, and, and she was driving, and, and we saw all these schools that were canceled in our area in Marion. We're like, there's not even any ice on the road. Well, get up here at Polaris, there's one patch of ice that we hit. Uh, the car didn't go off the road. There was nothing major. It was just a little skid. And she goes, oh, we did hit a patch of ice. That was the second chance. Because what if that patch of ice were a bigger patch? What if that patch of ice caused us to go off the road? And so even today, though that was a very what seems very minor, there's still a second chance past that, right? The same type of second chance past the accident that happened in 2010, where I very you know much according to science and you know recreations should have probably at least been injured if not dead. So you know I have this appreciation of every single day we're given second chances. So, awesome, yeah. that's powerful. All right. And um. So yeah, that, that, that's powerful and that's well said, you know, every, you never know, like some people live to be 95, some people, <laughs> you know, die at a younger age, it was just, we, we never know, so appreciation for life is huge and it was for me as well. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, so another big thing with post-traumatic growth is it's such a new field, like people are trying to figure out where does it fit in within the mental health community, et cetera. Yeah. 
Um, but some people also feel that there's a stigma associated with it. How do you feel about, do you feel that there is a stigma with it? And if there is, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Do, do you feel like people say, hey, you shouldn't be able to have positive growth after being in a car accident where people died? Um, you know, just what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, I think the stigma is different for each, right? Like, so mine, um, I think there is certainly a stigma because, so for me, I caused the traumatic event. And you, a lot of times, and, and this is something that I'm not tooting my own horn, but a lot of times you don't hear the perspective from the person who caused it. And so for me, there's very much a stigma. Um, and some people, when I tell them what I do, when I tell them that, hey, I speak and I do this and I go here and I, I'm writing, they're like, that's cool. But I can see in them, they're thinking, but you're the one that caused this, right? We're so used to hearing from the victims. We're not used to hearing from the perpetrators, Right. Um, so with mine, I mean, I think there's a, certainly a stigma. And um, because of, I think, my self-confidence that I've gained, I don't care about the stigma, right? You know, but other people, I can certainly see how difficult it would be to speak out and to use their pain as a platform. But I think that the overall stigma, I don't know if it's necessarily a stigma, if it's just an, we don't understand it, right? You said it's so new. Mm -hmm. People are trying to figure out, like, how do you talk about things? How candid can you be? Right, some people think it's absolutely crazy that I go around and say I don't care about the people's opinions who think that I should be dead, because some of those people were very affected by the accident. Right, some of those people, and I, you know, obviously to, I'm not gonna say names, but there are some people who were affected, who were victims of my decision making, who they hate me, and I say I don't care. And so when people hear that, they think that's really crass. That's really um, you know, a, a negative thing. Well, you should care. You caused them pain. And it's not that I don't care that I caused them pain. It's that I can't care that they think that I'm a terrible person for trying to make something good out of something terrible. So, um, I think a lot of the stigma is just around what other people think, you know, you know, there are people out there that say literally, literally there are people in my situation that say nothing good can come from this. But if we change our mentality and say something incredible, the, the worse the situation the more impact you can have. And so if you think your situation is the worst thing in the world that's ever happened, perfect, because that means that you can create the best thing in the world that's ever happened from it. So I think as we understand, as, as this, you know, as the Post Traumatic Growth Foundation, you know, continues to put out stories of growth and to educate on what post traumatic growth really is, we're going to start to see people utilizing it and talking about it Right, like this is a movement that needs to happen because what it also does is it eliminates the victimhood kind of mentality that I think that our culture uh, pushes a lot of times. Right, I mean it would have even been easy, not easy, but it, I could have said, oh, that's you know this happened to me, so I can't be anything. That's still victimhood, even though I caused it. I can say I'm a victim of my own, you know, created circumstances. Hmm. So, um, you know, though there may be a stigma, I think it's just because like anything new or anything that's newly talked about people just don't get it yet they will and when they do the world will be better for it but um you know i think for in you know in my situation i'm a special case sometimes you know people in my situation don't normally talk about you know what they've done or what they've experienced because they're scared to because there is that kind of they're afraid of what people will say but if we just if you can say listen i'm going to create a platform i'm going to make you know, a, a, this tragedy, a triumph in my own life and don't listen to the other, you know, the other chatter from other people who, you know, because a lot of the people that are talking are people who aren't using post-traumatic growth for their benefit. Right. So, yeah, I, I, 
the stigma, if there is a stigma, I just I think it, it's got to be gone. We we got to continue yeah. to educate on this, and because this lifts people up, right? Yeah. Anytime that we can lift up others, you know, I think stigmas start to go away. Yeah, yeah, they, they start to go away when there's stigma behind ignorance. You know, people people yeah. are like, oh my gosh, I, I have all this, I have positive signs of growth after going through a traumatic <laughs> experience, but I'm gonna sit inside my house mm-hmm. because the growth comes after I was raped. And you're yeah. not supposed to talk about that. Yeah. Or their growth came after I killed, accidentally killed somebody. Yeah. And you're not supposed to talk about that until they see a similar story. You know, yep. for me, just real quick story. You know, after combat, I was like, why should I have growth after I saw my buddies die on the battlefield? Why should I have growth after, as a medic, I was unable to save people, you know? Um, and, and I had that until I heard a story from General Mattis that talked about positive growth. And I was like, oh, there's other people out there that are doing it. Yeah. Um, which I think segues perfectly into to, to what I want to say next. And what I want to say next is maybe there is somebody out there that's watching that, 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 that they're, they're in their house. And two years ago, they were in, they were in an accident um, where, where, where somebody died and, and they, they feel that, that, it, that it was their fault. And like I said, maybe they're having signs of growth. Maybe, maybe they're not. But, you know, you've been there. You've done that. If, if they were here right now, yeah. what would you say to them? That's a good question. Um... And I've had these conversations, right? I've had people that have caused something, maybe not quite as severe um, as what I did or perceived, right? Severity is also really subjective. Um, But I would say, first and foremost, you're worth it. You're worthy, right? You are allowed to have post-traumatic growth, right? I think that's the first thing is getting past the, oh, I'm not allowed to grow. I'm not allowed to have something. So you are able to, and I would say expected to, grow. Now, it's not going to come fast. A hundred, I mean, again- or easy, yeah, right? Like, it's going to be difficult, but everything good in life is, right? There's, you know, I don't know anything, you know, it's not easy to make the NFL. Yeah. It's not easy to become the top of your class in high school and top of your class in college. Not easy to go to Harvard. These are all good things, right? And so it's going to take time and it's going to take effort. And there are going to be times where you feel like it's not working. There are going to be times where you feel like nothing that you do is good, um, but you keep on pressing forward because, you know, as I'm talking about it now, I'm talking eight years post, tra- you know, traumatic event, right. right? If you would have talked to me 18 months or eight months post-traumatic event, it would have been a different story because I didn't recognize it. And so understand you have an entire life to live and, um, you know, sure, anything could happen. We could die tomorrow, right? But understand most people don't, right? Most people have... 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. And with medical advancements, my gosh, we might live to 110, right? right? That might be the average 20 years from now. And so you have this entire life where growth is continuing to happen. So even if you think it's not happening, it is, right? And then also realizing that every single person makes mistakes. Every single person messes up and that you're messed up. Maybe severity seems different. Maybe it seems like yours is worse than Jimmy's over here. Well, it doesn't matter because everything is subjective, right? It's only worse if you think it's worse. And so if you can just change the way you think and say, listen, I can create something positive. My, my biggest thing is I, I want to encourage people to use their life experience to help others. So whether that is, right, and I try not, I don't speak a lot on this a whole lot, but whether it was you were raped, whether you caused a car accident, whether your dad abandoned you or whether maybe you're the dad who abandoned your kid mm-hmm. and 20 years later you're like my gosh my kid's incredible um I, why did i do that use your experience for other people's benefit because when you do that 
you feel, first of all, you're going to feel better, but you're going to make an impact on the world. And I think if we can all say that we're making an impact on the world, then, you know, post, you know, post-traumatic, you know, growth happens naturally, right? It's going to occur and you'll see less stress. You'll be, you know, you'll feel like you're living in fulfillment of what you're here for. So, um, if, if you've specifically also, if you specifically have caused a fatal car accident, an accident where someone got injured, um, understand first and foremost, it can happen to anybody, right? Um, and that's one of the blessings that I've had is that the Amanda, whose mother is the one that died in the accident, whose daughter was, you know, in all kinds of terrible uh, physical condition, she said in the courtroom and has said multiple times, that same stop sign, I've probably ran it, right? It could have happened to me. It just didn't right? Timing. So understand that it could happen to anyone and it does every day that you made a mistake and you have to, you do have to accept accountability for that, but that you can over time and through a lot of effort, you can impact others. And so I would love to partner with anyone who's been through that similar situation to one, help you get through it, but two, to empower you and to help you make a difference on other people. Because if we do that, um, the world will be better for it. Yeah, that sounds great. That's powerful, man. How so? How do, would people contact you? Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can email me at um, ourblessedtragedy at gmail dot com. So it's ourblessedtragedy, and if you can you put a link? Yeah, to I'll it. put a link. So as we'll well. put a link to it. Um, follow a blessed tragedy on Facebook. Uh, this is where um, Amanda and I kind of chronicle what we're doing, where we're speaking. We're going to be putting information about our book. Um, which will, that'll be something later, we're kind of finishing it up. Um, or you can reach out to me and I'll even give my cell phone because I want to remain accessible to people, which is 740-262-4418. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm here to talk, you know, I'm here to, to help you work through your issues, uh, work through some trauma that you went through. I'm not a professional, right? I'm not, I did study psychology, but I'm not a psychologist. I can just maybe help give you some perspective. Hey, Justin, thanks so much for coming yeah. on the show, brother. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks.